Doesn't he like wear a robe and stuff? That's, that's Max Keeble's big him. <laughs> and he's not a bully. And he the bully gets from bullied. the bully Troy McGinty is Troy McGinty. played by that. Oh. Is played by that guy from Shameless that you like. Oh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I googled his <laughs> name. I like the shopping mall. Holy. It's time to play a game. Who's your favorite island frog? Welcome to another episode of We Explain Movies. I'm Kimmy. I'm Kayleen. And I'm Courtney. And this is the podcast where three best friends explain, rate slash review, and decide whether or not to see the latest and greatest or most beloved classics of film. This means each week, two or one of us will explain a movie to the other two or one of us in its entirety. Since this is a center for spoilers, if you haven't seen this week's movie, tune out and tune back in once you have. For other spoiler timestamps, check out our Instagram and Twitter at We Explain Movies. Here's how it's going to go. We're going to start off with what we watched this week, move into some movie-related questions, followed by the explanation, and then we're going to close out with our watchlist ads and recommendations. You're listening to We Explain Movies. Hey! We're here! Yeah! Did you like that? (laughs) Did you like that little doodad song we just had right there? Did you like it? That's what I said. It was no foxglove. Did you have a little fun? Listen, it was no foxglove song, but it's pretty good. Yeah, that was our song. I guess we should give a shout out to the writer, aka Dakota Ringer, my boyfriend, who's also in a band called The Naked Eye, with the letter I. You should go check them out. Yes. Represent. This week's movie... Kimmy and I, me being Kayleen, will be explaining the entirety of the movie Sucker Punch to Courtney. Um, yeah. What'd you guys watch this week? Um, so much. We did. It's Mostly been a while. because we haven't done what we watched this week in forever, so it's more like, what did we watch this month and a half? Yeah. <laughs> should we start with Ford or 1917? I think we should start positive. Yeah, let's <laughs> start with 1917. All right. Uh, you guys go. Well, this movie, I was pretty upset that um, it did, I wasn't able to see it in 2019. After having watched it, it definitely would have made my top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that out of all the war movies that I've seen, um, this one, as far as story goes, is not my favorite but just the overall plot and, like, the cinematography is unparalleled, like, as mm-hmm. of last year. Like, I don't think... I think it's no contest, you know? I oh, know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what they're I, thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I love George McKay. I think he's a fantastic actor. He's a cutie pie. I loved all the, you know, small roles for those really uh, um, famous other actors. Like that was Richard really Madden? Yeah. Ooh, like, best that's part of trying the to get to the whole time is Richard Madden. Spoilers. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're here for. Um, yeah, I, I truly loved it. Some of those shots, I was like, wow, Roger, you just, you are just, yeah. You just are, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one of the things that really stood out to me was the texture of the water. Seemed, it was as if I'd never seen water before. (laughs) It seemed almost viscous, but not, like, I don't know. It had a life when he was in the water floating around. I agree. It was a phenomenal movie. Yeah. And when that, like, when that one shot comes out from the trailer, like, you, oh, you the see explosions. it in the trailer. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's like, we are, you know, we're waiting for, like, what part of this movie is going to be in, and it comes, and I was just as blown away. Oh, like, for sure. It's, it's the, the most epic it's part. It's the best part. It was. I was like, it was great. You want oh. him to be successful. I also really liked that 
that, that we get that amazing moment. We also had so many moments of just stillness. Like, mm-hmm. the song in the woods was beautiful. Ugh, and he's not even really there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I loved that. And I also think that it's, like, really realistic to depict, like, death in war so um, fleeting, you know? Like, it's like, somebody's yeah. dead, that's it, move on. And how know? did they make his face change colors as we were watching him? I, I don't know. know. That's definitely got to be a digital thing that they did. That's Unless insane. that man really died. <laughs> 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 we should start a rumor that that's what happened. They, they actually really killed, killed him. They it was a snuff film. They oh really my. did. That's that's why it had to be done in one take. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that I know nothing about World War One. Like, I've made it a point to not care about it. <laughs> Just because World War II is my jam, and I, like, know so much about that. And so after watching this, I was like, I guess I gotta know everything there is to know about World War One. And I listened to, like, several podcasts just all this past two weeks, just all about what was the deal with World War One, and it was fascinating. Um, so I really want to go back and watch it again, just knowing a little bit more about that. And it just seems horrible, that trench warfare. Yeah. Yeah. No man's land. Just a miserable situation for for everybody. And for for what purpose? For what purpose were we willing to just let that many people die? And then the flu came around and wiped out even more people. Like, it's a miracle that humanity existed after that. And then they waited, what, 20 years before being like, guess we should do that all over again. (laughs) That was fun. I had a good time. Uh, That was silly. I think it should have gone on longer and worse. Uh, I, out of the three of us, am probably the least into war movies. It's not that I go into them and don't like them afterwards. I just don't like to seek them out as much. I don't, obviously they're not very fun to watch and I don't, I don't know. I just don't like putting myself through that, I guess. Sometimes they can be slow, I think. So for a war movie, I think this was a 10 out of 10. Mm -hmm. Even though it's still not really my cup of tea, it was, there's no denying that it was phenomenal. Yeah, excellent pacing. Mm -hmm. Cool. So... After take a, that, a deep dive now, far, far stretching away from that, and go into Ford v Ferrari. Mm-hmm. The worst thing I've had to sit through in so long. <laughs> I was incredibly bored. Um, so I'll admit though, like I always go into movies like that, like race car movies and boxing movies and like football movies, being like, ugh, like I'm not gonna like this, and I usually end up liking it more than I thought that I would. I guess I can say that this was, like, similarly the case, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, it's just a standard race car movie. It's, mm-hmm. like, you don't really have to see it. Like, you know what's going to happen. Right. They're going to they're gonna get into a race. They're going to do some gear shifts. You're going to feel some, is he going to make it? And then he fucking does, and he wins. Like, Ford will probably win. Yeah. I, <laughs> a couple of my big takeaways... One of which I've already told you is that every time Noah Jupe was on screen, I just got angry that Honey Boy's not nominated and that I wasn't watching Honey Boy for a second time. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the more I thought about this movie, the more it seems like the Green Book complex to me, where it's a good, it's fine, it's fine. Ford v. Ferrari is fine. Yeah. But how many Ford v. Ferrari type movies have I seen? So many. That's yeah. why I knew exactly what was going to happen the entire time, because mm-hmm. I've seen it before. Yeah. It wasn't original, and that's the same with Green Book, and that's why, even though it was a fine movie, it shouldn't have won, because it wasn't original. I've seen yeah. 40 of those stories, but Green Book was still more entertaining. Yeah. And I laughed out loud during Green Book, and not really during this one. I guess that's because there's, like, some emotionality connected to Green Book, you yeah. know, 
and um, civil rights, and this is just like cars. It's interesting you guys are bringing that movie up because I didn't think about that movie as I was watching Ford v Ferrari, but I thought about so many things. Like, I just had a whole separate thing going on in my head this entire time I was watching that movie. <laughs> and one of the things I just kept thinking about was I would so much rather be watching a more important story from that time period. Mm. And it's funny because that is what Green Book is. Like, it's the same time period and everything. But I didn't even care for that movie when I saw it. And Mm -hmm. so I just was like, what movie do I want? Maybe something not from just, like, the white male American lens Mm -hmm. of this time period. Like, I really would just prefer to watch something else. And, gosh, like, I just want that to be the last movie I have to watch by someone like that for a long time. Yeah. (laughs) So done with it. As I watched this movie, I realized what the morals of the movie that they're wanting me to grapple with are, and I think that those themes and morals are dealt with a lot more interestingly in I, Tanya, mm. of, of class being the reason you don't get your opportunities. Mm. And then I wanted to be watching that. And working <laughs> yeah. really hard and kind of getting no validation from it because yeah. you're seen as lesser. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, the, the, my biggest, biggest review and complaint for this movie is every single scene made me think of a different movie that I would rather be watching. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't help but wish I was Agreed. watching Little Women whenever Tracy Letts was on screen. Yeah. And I, yeah. I wanted to watch Talladega Nights when they were <laughs> yeah. racing. I just yeah. didn't care for what I was given. It's just not original. And I don't know why this film is nominated for Best Picture out of like all the films that were snubbed for so, that had so much originality going yeah. for it. Like, what is the deal? Like, like for example, even though Uncut Gems wasn't my personal cup of tea, I would have much rather seen, some, seen something like that get a nom. Because yeah. it's original and knows what it's doing and executed it the way it meant to. And it wasn't a story that we've seen a billion times. Yeah. I've yeah. never seen it Uncut and Gems before. And it surprised before. me. Yeah. That's our take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do with that what you will. <laughs> Next, should we go really high with this one? With Chicago? Chicago? Chicago. The windy city. The wind- <laughs> We've all watched Chicago the musical. Which yes. was um which did win Best Picture. Yeah. The year was nominated. I'd never seen it before. Me either. I had seen the musical Me too. before. <laughs> didn't like it. Oh. I, I didn't like interesting. the music. I like the, the movie more than the stage musical. I, I loved the movie. Can I go into a little story from my life really quick that's sure. like really fun and random? When I was in high school, you could say that I would um, like a boy and be like, that's all I care about, right? Or like, a, or even a famous person. So me and my good friend Miranda at the time, we went to go see the play Chicago together at a high school nearby, and the guy who played the MC of oh, the nice. show, yeah. we fell in love with him, and we thought he was just the best thing ever, to the point where we uh, were like, MySpace. <laughs> well, we found him on Facebook, and we're like, we gotta go see the next musical that they do, he'll probably be in it, and the next musical that they did was Peter Pan, so he played Captain Hook. And we had a friend who was also in that play, and we wrote a letter, and we said, will you give this to Captain Yikes. Hook? Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> and it was us, like, fawning over him, and then, during the second act of the play, he had already read the letter, and came over to where we were, like, during the play, and winked at us. <laughs> what a smooth man. Wow. And we are, child. <laughs> we are currently still friends on Facebook. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. So I have fond memories of 
Chicago. That's so nice to have your child feelings validated. Isn't that way. amazing? You know? I had something like that happen. Yeah? I kept seeing this one boy at every concert I went to, because I would go to, like, three concerts a week in San Francisco, Ooh. and... I saw him at every single one, and he had the best straight hair. (laughs) (laughs) Was it like emo straight? Oh, it was like emo straightened hair, and I just, I added him on MySpace, and I was like, I see you everywhere. (laughs) And and then he was like, do you want to meet up at the all-time low show? And I was like, do I ever? (laughs) Do you also like remembering Sunday? (laughs) Yeah, I mean... We liked all the same stuff. That's amazing. I don't remember his name. I think it was something super cool, like Ashton. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Ben, I don't know. (laughs) Ash Ben. Anyways. So Chicago. I just, I just loved it. I wanted to get out of my seat and dance. That's what we should do next time we watch it, honestly. I know. I just, I really wanted to. I like the songs, and I just thought the movie created, like, a better through line and connected plot mm-hmm. um, that I was able to follow and like identify with more than what I got from seeing the stage production. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just and th- those women are fantastic. They're like, amazing. Renee Zellweger's yeah. performance and Catherine Zeta Jones' performance, I was just to die for. And all the ensemble, they're dancing and my husband is in it. <laughs> Your husband. Oh, John Riley, not Richard Gere. <laughs> didn't he? He was either nominated he was or nominated. won. He, he didn't was, win. No, sadly. No. Okay, I mean it's pretty cool to get nominated I for know. that role. Yeah, mm-hmm. and ugh, I love his song, Mr. Cellophane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it. loved it. I I definitely agree with the story. It becomes much more of a through story. Everything, all the pieces that you wish you had in the musical get filled in, and it all becomes a fully fleshed out thing. Which mm-hmm. usually movie musicals kind of do the opposite where the stage play is meant to be oh. a stage play, and then <clears throat> Into the Woods gets shifted into something that's not really transferable to a movie mm-hmm. in the way that it's meant to be. At least in my opinion. There's going to be so many movie musicals coming out. Ugh. Jake is going to be in Fun Home. And I think he's too young Jake for Jill that. Jake Yeah, he's going to play the dad in Fun interesting. Home. Isn't oh. that interesting? And then, I mean, I'm sure they're still going to do Wicked. Dearvin yeah. Hansen is for sure going to be made into something. I'd be down to see Wicked if they let Adina do it, even though she's much older now. It'd be cool. No, they're not. She shows here. up for her first day of school. <laughs> yeah. Aren't they talking about having, like, Ariana Grande be it? Yeah, they were. And I I'm, mean, like, she, super ooh, anti that. It'd be kind of cool, because she had that song, Popular. Do you know about that? She mm. she did a song that's kind of an ode to Popular from Wicked, okay, and it's got, it. it's got Mika on it. She just seems like Mika. somebody that I need Let Mika to, like... play Alphaba. <laughs> <laughs> Mika and Ariana Grande. That's the musical I want to see. <laughs> okay. Any other thoughts about Chicago? Yeah. Very much enjoyed it. It was a bop. Uh, do you want to talk about some of the Korean films you watched? Sure. I've watched so many Korean films. <laughs> Felt that inspo? So many. Uh, and I mean, I started like in, in October when I watched Train to Busan for like a fun horror movie mm-hmm. type thing that was zombies and that was amazing. I was gonna do The Handmaiden a Park Chan-wook film on our pod, but a lot happens that I would have been uncomfortable talking about. Um, And then more recently, though, I've just been plowing through that Bong filmography. (laughs) Bong Joon-ho. And I watched, um, I think I've mentioned this before, but I watched The Host and I loved it. And then I watched Memories of Murder, which is now one of my favorite films. It was fantastic. It was so good. And then like about a week after I watched it, he was honored at, I believe, the Lincoln Center, uh, where they do, like, those uh, retrospectives where they, like, play old films by, like, directors who are more in the spotlight presently, and so they honored Bong Joon-ho 
obviously for his work with Parasite, and uh, to do so, he got to do a screening of one of his older works, and so he came and introduced Memories of Murder. Oh, cool. And he is just a sass machine. Like, you guys saw at the Golden Globes, when right. he's like, once you can get over that one-inch tall barrier of subtitles, uh, maybe you'll watch some good yeah. movies, people. Yeah. <laughs> and so he came and he introduced Memories of Murder, and he's just like... I hope you like the film. Um, I would just like to make it clear that this film came out way before Zodiac. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> That's awesome. And I thought that was really funny because, yeah, they're very similar. I like that his films reflect his real sass in his real life. Oh, yeah. He's so sassy. And I've told you guys that amazing story about when he did Snowpiercer and stuff. And anyways, mm. I watched Snowpiercer as well, oh, which cool. you've seen, Kimmy. I have. I didn't finish Snowpiercer. Oh, okay. But I think I what was did very, you make it to? Um, he finds Ed Harris. Oh, you only had like 10 minutes left. I just like, I couldn't get into it. I couldn't, I like knew what the film wanted to be, but it wasn't quite You couldn't get into it for two and a half hours, so you bowed out for the last 10 minutes. Wait, Snowpiercer is a foreign film? There's a lot of Korean actors, and then it's um, like Song Kang-ho, who has been in like all of his movies pretty much, from Parasite and Memories of Murder. Yeah. Okay. Um, And so... It's just, like, a big mixture. There's also, like, French in it. The idea is that it's all of humanity on one single gotcha. train. I just had um, no idea that Snowpiercer... I was picturing an American film this whole time. Oh, I didn't well, know it's Chris Evans. It. That's probably why yeah. I thought that. And he delivered the most haunting monologue I've ever heard in my Ooh. entire life. And I just... <laughs> Very cool. It was yeah. amazing, but boy, was it effed. Mm. Yeah. Is he a bad guy? No, but oh. he's, he's a, a normal guy who's like super impoverished and he's living at the back end of the train and it's like a whole class thing but uh yeah like he's talking about what he had to do to survive and the cannibalism oh my (laughs) and it was horrible um that was my least favorite Bong Joon-ho movie that I've seen so far um I really want to watch Okja again and then oh yeah yeah those are the ones I watched I watched a lot of good stuff did you have anything solo you want to talk about dude um I watched the aftermath with (laughs) Keira Knightley and one of the Scars oh, guards. Oh, that's the new one. <laughs> yeah. And Jason Clark, right? Jason Clark, yeah. It's Alex. It's the blonde Alexander Scars guard. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and here I am thinking that it's going to be about Nazis or and like an affair, you know. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like and it kind of is, but that's not really what the film is about. Oh. And they really only like hook up for like one or two times. Before she, the husband finds out. Yeah. And and then the husband's like, that's cool. <laughs> oh. You know? Like, the, the main thing is that they lost a son. Oh. Kira Lee and Jason Clark lost a son, and that, that's caused a rift in their marriage. So, like, she goes on this little, like, affair to kind of re-recognize herself or something. She's moved on from this marriage. She's a different person, and her husband isn't, like, with her. And, and then when he finds it out, they kind of, like, say all the things that they should have said at the beginning, like, uh. and, and he's like, you're right, go, be free, you are a different woman now, and I want you to be happy. She's like, thanks for that, never mind, I realized that I love my husband. Oh. Um, and then she goes back, and they, they love each other. Good. I guess. That's just, <laughs> yeah, that's not the kind of World War II story I want to be told. No, yeah. no. Not, especially not when it was like, ooh, it's about this sexy affair and yeah. like, and there's going to be deception. But like, the husband's chill with it. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Especially after we just watched him be a psychopath in Serenity. And now yeah. you're going to be cool yeah. with it? Okay. Yeah. The only other thing I watched was Midnight Special and I haven't finished it yet, but it's, it's really good so far. Oh, 
Lastly, Courtney and I watched Chronicle, which I've never seen. One of my favorite movies. She loves it. I had a good time. I think that if, it seems like one of those movies where if I had watched it at the time, I would have probably be more into it now because Mm -hmm. of the fond memories it has. And I still really liked it. I had a good time. I thought that all the acting was really good. Um, It made me sad for Dane DeHaan. But then at the end, it just kind of started to lose me at the end. It just seemed very general of, I'm just going to scream. And we talked about how we're really over seeing things happen twice. Oh, like yeah. how old movies used to do, where they mm-hmm. they showed the death and then again from another angle. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> um, which is a small thing, but it's just funny to see something that's very old school looking. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was cute. I like their friendship, and um, it was sad. Yeah, that movie just puts the biggest smile on my face for an hour and a half, and then yeah. I just... I'm so upset <laughs> for yeah. the last 15 And we had minutes. a really fun time making fun of the blonde girlfriend, who oh, yeah. is annoying. Yeah. Yeah. But love that movie. It's been a while since I've seen it. It's a feel good until it isn't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I I really commend the style of it. The style's very cool. Yeah, for it to be all found footage, but not be like a horror movie type thing. And Mm -hmm. then they they really use that gimmick to their advantage come the climax of the movie, which is great. Yeah. They're very clever about it. Yeah. Especially in the end, in the end with the other character. Mm hmm. Very cool. Okie doke. Questions related to Sucker Punch, this week's movie. You two have seen the movie. You came up with questions yes. so we can discuss other movies. Yes. The first question is, what is your favorite movie soundtrack? And that excludes, like, a composed score. So it's, like, a compilation of, like, of songs yeah. from individual artists into we, a soundtrack. We also excluded musicals. I have so many answers, so oh. I can go last. <laughs> okay. Do you want to go first, Kimmy? Sure, I'll go first. Okay, so my honorable mention is Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Nice. It's just, like, undoubtedly a fantastic soundtrack um, from top to bottom, but my real answer is The Perks of Being a Wallflower. That was my answer. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) we just watched it. I just, like reminded me of how amazing that soundtrack is all these classic songs mm-hmm. and just the fervor by which the characters enjoy the songs and it's it's not just the soundtrack it's part of their world because they're always mm-hmm. putting on the vinyls and stuff like that yeah. like she gives you a more of a, an appreciation and like a visual for it and i i think it's great yeah it's part of one of the most pivotal scenes yeah yeah and watching him make a mixtape for somebody because it is its own like whole story it is yeah so I'm glad you went first, because I, I like, I'm expecting Kayleen to take one from me, too, and I'll just be like, knock that one off, too. I think I know which one. Yeah. Uh, was that it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I have an honorable mention, which is Baby Driver. Is that the one you thought I was going to say? I thought that's yeah. the one. Well, that's what we were thinking about yesterday, okay. when we were like, we already know Kayleen's answers, and she's like, I don't even know my answers. We're like, we know you better than you know yourself. That, that was pretty funny, and then when I thought of it, I'm like, this is probably the one they, they were thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah, my honorable mention is Baby Driver. I didn't have any kind of fondness for these songs prior to this movie, but the soundtrack makes the movie. It's Mm -hmm. part of why the editing is so cool, it's part of why the entire movie feels like a music video, and it introduced me to songs that now I cannot associate with any other movie. And I have, since this movie came out, heard some of the songs in movie trailers and it makes me upset because all I can think about is Baby Driver and they did it better. So I love that movie and the soundtrack's amazing. My number one pick, and this is because I love this movie 
and I really wanted to pick an 80s movie for the soundtrack because I love 80s songs, and this one has so many bops. Uh, my answer is Footloose. Oh. Because I think it has the majority, the most songs overall that I like the best. I would like to read a few because there's a lot of bangers. Yeah, I have not seen Footloose. Ever. I don't think I've seen it either. I don't think... I love this movie, and I still think it's a good movie, but I feel like I wouldn't want to watch it with you guys, because I think you'd make fun of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you guys can watch it by yourselves one day. Um, especially never, but I, I still get into it. I'm like, ugh, angst, do it. <laughs> I'm into it. He just needs um, to dance. He just has to dance. No one will let him. Uh, Footloose, obviously, is a bop, and that one is... An original, of course, for the movie, so that one's fun. But then we also have Let's Hear It for the Boys. We have Almost Paradise, Holding Out for a Hero. Oh. We have Never, which is the one that he dances to out of anger. Um, there's another Kenny Loggins song, which I don't know if it's an original for this movie, but it's called I'm Free, in parentheses, Heaven Helps the Man. The Girl Gets Around, Dancing in the Sheets. Everyone is a bop. <laughs> I had to pull up the list because there's too many bops, and that's my answer. Nice. Okay, I'll go with some honorable mentions, starting with a movie I remember having on cassette tape. Ooh. It's Now and Then. Oh, and that was nice. the soundtrack to, like, all my birthday parties. <laughs> <laughs> and I really love that That's one. So cute. Yeah, because it's, like, great 70s music, um, including that song, Sign Sealed Delivered, which... I love that song. My... <laughs> I was, like, really bad at uh, interpreting lyrics or hearing lyrics as a child, uh-huh. and I thought Sign Sealed Delivered was fine, man, McGibbons, I'm yours. McGibbons? <laughs> fine man, McGibbons. McGibbons. That McGibbons sure is a fine man. And my, my mother, like, heard me singing that. She's like, what are you saying? <laughs> like, it's that song about fine man McGibbons. <laughs> I feel like every child has had to have a point in their life where they sang something and then got embarrassed because their parents right. were like, "What the fuck are you saying?" But at least I knew all the I knew all the lyrics to "Daydream Believer," which is also in that movie. Nice. Uh, yeah, love. That's one of my favorite songs too. Um, another one that just is amazing, and I had it on CD is Shrek. <laughs> That's spicy. Because Hallelujah was totally written for that movie. (laughs) I think Believer was too. Yeah. Believer. I I believe somebody was. Like, it's iconic. (laughs) There's this meme that's like something about being at church, and it's like everybody opened the book of somebody was. think of one movie it's definitely those songs yeah. to that movie oh of course like, that's yes. that movie's song forever like no one at better ever use that for anything else because they're no you don't deserve it <laughs> you don't deserve hallelujah either <laughs> like three songs you can't that have song anymore. is about shrek losing fiona to lord Farquaad. <laughs> it always has been it always it always be. has been it always will be <laughs> Um, and then I'm honestly shocked that my real answer, like, that's why I came up with so many, because I was like, you guys are going to take my answers. Mm-hmm. I did not anticipate perks being taken from me. Instead, I was like, <laughs> this is going to be taken from me. It's the best soundtrack ever. It's Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good soundtrack. Oh, it has, like, Bonavera on there. It, it has, has everything. Muse on there. It has... Blue I Foundation. Mean, listen, Supermassive Black Hole is one of those songs that can't be taken from Twilight. Honestly. Yeah. Paramore. <laughs> It has yes. everything, and I can just, like, you yeah. know, you, you know every moment that goes with it. My yeah. thoughts you can't decode. Yes. 
I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. That's mm, amazing. So good. Pretty pissed that I didn't pick that. <laughs> I'm shocked. I was like, that's going to be taken from me instantly. <laughs> okay. The second question for this round is, name a movie where an actor you love plays a character that makes you hate them. Mm-hmm. So, and it's not that they did a bad job as an actor. It's that the character that they plays is so horrible or evil that it makes you see a different person. Uh, I'll go yeah, first. Go My pick is Bryce Dallas Howard as oh. Hilly Holbrook in The Help. What a yeah. good answer. She's great. She's I horrible. love her. Yeah. She's such a lovely human mm-hmm. being. And then when I see her in that character, I'm like, wow, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> you are just the essence of evil. She's yeah. evil. Yeah. And I just think that that's amazing. That's such a power. Yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard is one of those actresses for me where I think I've never really gotten into her because she's so good at playing these annoying or horrible characters, and she's played <laughs> a good amount of them that I'm like, ugh. <laughs> but it's not her fault. <laughs> that was it? Yeah. Alright. I have an honorable mention, which is just every character that John Hamm's ever played. <laughs> not everyone, but he plays a lot of douchebags. Um... Most of the douchebags have redeemable qualities even when after you hate them, but some that I wrote down are Bridesmaids, Mad Men, mm-hmm. Baby Driver, Richard Jewell, Kimmy Schmidt. Oh gosh. <laughs> and even though right? even though that's a comedy, he's the one who traps in a, in a bunker. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. He's got a disgusting ponytail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And do you hate him in Mad Men? He's the lead. He is, but he's a bad guy. Uh-huh. He's not nice. But that's but he's one of those characters. It's like you know, like a Dexter or a Walt, Walter White, is yeah. that he's not a good guy, but you see the humanity in him. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, just being a dick. Yeah. Um, but of course, my super obvious answer, if you've ever met me, is Sam Rockwell in The Green Mile. I think that's one oh, of the gosh. most evil characters ever written. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And he does an amazing job, and that's my favorite actor. So it's the highest high and the lowest low. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Horrible guy. He's the worst. The worst. So gross and scary and evil. Gross, scary, evil. He ruins an angel, basically, his life. He says gross stuff. He just, like, looks gross, like, greasy and dirty. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have an honorable mention similar to Kayleen's in that it just says, Paul Dano in a lot. Oh, for sure. (laughs) 12 years a slave. 12 years a slave. I mean, prisoners, like, you feel bad for him, but... Scary. You also scared. And yeah. then for there a big will... portion of Ruby Sparks, honestly. Yeah, there will be blood. Is no bueno either. Um, but I mean, that's kind of like everyone in that movie is awful. Um, and then another honorable mention because it's the first thing I saw her in too, and I was like, I hate you. You're ruining everyone's time. Is Saoirse Ronan in Atonement? That's oh. true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like way to ruin everyone's life. Yeah. I'm just trying to bone in the library. Yeah. She's such a little demon, that child. Yeah. Bryony. Um, so those are my honorable mentions. My real answer is, uh, like, a trio of men who I think they're all great and everything, and then you just watch this movie and you're like, oh, wow, this movie's horrible. Like, it makes you sick the whole time you're watching it. So my answer is all the white boys in Detroit. Oh, I don't know what that's about. It's a Catherine Bigelow movie um, that is set in Detroit during the time of, like, these riots that took place because of what was going on in a hotel with a bunch of cops, like, uh, just horribly abusing and attacking and basically holding hostage a whole bunch of young, like, African-American people. Oh, no. And uh, Will Poulter and Jack Rayner, they are abusing, like, Anthony Mackie and John Boyega, and it's horrible, and then... 
John Krasinski plays their, like, defense attorney later, and he oh, no. is so evil and just scary. Really? And, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot to take in. That movie's, like, really scary, um, and it's based on a true story, and, yeah. Is Jack Rayner Christian from Midsommar? Mm-hmm. It would wow. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. Yeah. That's... I'm surprised you wouldn't pick him for Midsommar. Yeah. <laughs> Except I don't, like... Love I haven't him. seen him in enough things. Yeah. Like, I've only seen him in a movie called Free Fire 2, that mm. A24 one with Brie Larson. Oh, I do actually. I love him in Sing Street. He's so mm. cute in Sing Street, and he's got, like, this great Irish accent. That's mm. cute. Um, so I guess I do like Jack Rayner, and Christian from Midsummer can suck it. Yeah. Yeah, there, was a, there were a lot that I looked up and found where I hate them, but they weren't an actor I loved enough to give that as an answer. Yeah. You made me think of an honorable mention. Hmm. Steve Carell as the stepdad in The Way Way Back. Oh, that's a good one. That one was just like my first time seeing him as like an unlikable character and he just crushed it. That is a good one. Yeah, and it's hard though too to like find things because like even though I don't like the character, like him in Foxcatcher, I was like, but I I don't hate you either Mm -hmm. because I'm like really invested in your performance. Like it's hard to find somebody so detestable that you're like, yeah, that that made me hate you. I was trying to Mm -hmm. find someone that was Umbridge level. Yeah. All I could kept thinking about was Umbridge, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, I don't even know that actress's name, yeah. so I, it's not her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Umbridge was definitely the bar. That's funny. <laughs> well then, time to move on to the movie and the actual explanation. But first, <laughs> predictions. What I think this movie Sucker Punch is about. And you haven't seen the trailer. The trailer slaps. Yeah, yeah. it does slap. Yes. Uh, is when the levee breaks in the movie... The, the Led Zeppelin song that's in the trailer? Let me look it up. Because I, I, I've been meaning to pull <laughs> Let up me tell you. a soundtrack list for since I wanna, this, we started this. Will you guys, yes, when you're explaining it, please tell me what song is playing under each scene as things oh, are happening. Thank you, I yeah, will. <laughs> I really want to know, because I feel like it's going to super set the mood I'm for like, me. that's Kimmy's job. I know a couple of them, but... I know, uh, just the ones that are, like, bangers, like, I'll tell you. Like, nice. I, I'm pretty sure I used to have all these songs on my iPod. <laughs> So, it, it's dope. Alright, keep going. Um, but essentially, Emily Browning is living with her younger sister in her parents' house, mm-hmm. and the mom is dead, and there's just a stepdad left. I'm guessing he's abusive mm-hmm. and very scary. So she kills him in the dead of night, and then from there, sad, scary montage of her being shipped off to like a mental institution. Maybe her sister is still alive back home and she's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe she's dead too. I don't think Emily killed her, but maybe the dad was like doing something to her. I don't know. Anyways, Emily Browning now lives in um, a mental institution. I feel like her name is going to be something silly like Dollface. Oh, close. Dolly. It's really close. Penny. No, it's got doll. Doll, it does? It has doll in it. Oh. You got it. You got it. It's an, I Baby actually, doll. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. There's wow. actually a section later where I'm going to have you guess people's names because it'll Love be fun. It. Yes. <laughs> okay, so she is living in this insane asylum for women. I'm guessing it's like mm. an all women one. I don't know why she's dressed like an anime character, but she is. Uh, that's really the uniforms they make the hospital patients wear. <laughs> <laughs> and so she just has to live her life there, scrubbing floors and... That's about it, but then she kind of creates this world in her head as a means of escapism, and so she imagines maybe that, like, the main nurse or warden or Carla Caccino character in her head is actually, like, 
like a Black Widow type spy mama mm-hmm. who's teaching her how to do things. And then I know along the way there becomes a list of things she needs to get mm-hmm. in order to be free from this world. And how the lines of reality and her imagination world blend, I really don't know. But along the way, she meets some really badass women. Mm-hmm. They form a team. They gather the things that they need to. <laughs> and then they take over this institution <clears throat> from the inside out. Okay. Um, what thanks for mean? coming to this podcast. Well, we... <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that it? Is that the whole movie? <laughs> what do you mean by take over the institution? Um, they kick all the men out, and then it becomes, like, a cool training ground place mm. to then also kick men out of the world. <laughs> <laughs> the world. Like, they become, like, they seem like assassins. It feels very Black Widow to me. Mm. Also, did Zack Snyder direct this? Yes. yes. Yeah, it just seems like a badass time. Cool. Should we get into it? Okay. So, Sucker Punch, here it goes. The movie opens. Um, with the WB logo overlaid on this old-fashioned red-curtained proscenium stage. Oh. And the curtain pulls back to reveal baby doll, Emily Browning, in a bedroom. And her knees are to her chest, and she looks really worried. Maybe she's crying almost. And then this whole front section of the film is, there's no, hardly any dialogue. Certainly not from Emily Browning. She doesn't speak till 18 minutes into the movie. Wow. And it's fast montage. We're getting a lot of front-loaded information in this first few minutes of the film, okay? Um, like a comic book? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A doctor comes in and he shakes his head. She runs into the other room to see that her mother has died of some illness. And they're taking her body away. Her and her little sister are now at the mercy of their evil stepfather who looks like a bad dude. Like, if you just, in a lineup, like, he would be a bad dude. Looks like a superhero villain, kind of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bald. He's smirking through the funeral. It's just not good news. The stepfather becomes enraged when he finds out that the mother's will and testament has left everything to only her daughters and nothing to him. Cool. So he attacks baby doll and she scratches his face. He locks her in her bedroom. It's a rapey attack. Yeah, he, like, it is. opens he, up her shirt as she's getting great. into the bedroom. Yeah, pops the buttons off of her blouse. But she fights back, so he, he puts her away, and he decides to pursue the little sister instead. No! He's going after her. Baby doll escapes out of the window of her bedroom as rain crashes outside. And she uses, like, the water pipes on the house to crawl around to the other side. She's drenched in rain. She picks up a gun that the stepdad had in his desk. And she points it at him. And he's got his arms up in defense. And she doesn't really hesitate. She shoots, but she misses. It just grazes him and he falls to the ground. (gasps) Did she shoot her sister on accident? And she goes to find that the sister's actually accidentally been shot dead. No! And Kimmy and I both go, do you remember that? (laughs) Neither (laughs) of us remember remember that. that. Um, She dies in Baby Doll's arms. The stepdad, seeing this as an opportune moment to get uh, get rid of both of the girls, admits Baby Doll to a mental institution called the Lennox House for the Mentally Insane. Something else to note is that during this sequence, it's rather anime-esque already, Mm -hmm. where the images have almost a waxy or CGI quality to them, Mm -hmm. even though I don't think 
there's really special effects going on in this. It's just the kind of filter over mm-hmm. it. Something else that we constantly compared it to is Repo. Mm-hmm. It seems very it Repo. It seems very Pretty repo, repo vibes, like half comic booky slash anime, half like real world. Mm-hmm. I think emo stuff. children had to choose which movie they liked more. <laughs> <laughs> that might be true. And it's even like she said, Baby Doll doesn't speak, but there's very anime esque noises. Mm-hmm. Kind of in the same way that you'll see in an action sequence, or I think a good comparison is in Kill Bill when you see the animated sequence um, telling you about Oren Ishii's story, and there's a lot of like, I don't want to say this because that's not the intention, but almost sexual sounding, mm, like, oh, I, no, you know yeah, what I mean? I know what like about. M- moans of despair or exasperation. It's that kind of vibe over the silence and the music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just that style. Um, just that yeah, style. It is. Unfortunately, we looked it up to see if it was based off of any anime, and it's not. It's, an, it's a completely original story. That's awesome. I really would have figured it was. Yeah, yeah. us too. Yeah. I, uh, all the way until I researched it, you know, this week, did I, I think that it was based off some kind of anime wow. source material. Because, I mean, that is also where Zack Snyder gets most of his material. Okay. From yeah. anime? No, or just graphic novels. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, while this whole sequence is taking place... There is some voiceover, and here's what the voiceover says. Everyone has an angel, a guardian who watches over us. We can't know what form they'll take. One day, old man, next day, little girl. But don't let appearances fool you. They can be as fierce as any dragon. Yet, they're not here to fight our battles, but to whisper from our heart, reminding us this. It's every one of us who holds power over the world we create. Okay, moving on. She, so she's just arrived at the Lennox House of the Mentally Insane. We we kind of glossed over it, but there's a really cool title card where the rain on the window of the cabbie mm. like flows into sucker punch words. Nice. It's like super sick. Mm-hmm. As Baby Doll is carted by orderlies through the building, she spies a few items on the way. A map, a lighter, a knife, and a key that hangs on the neck of one of the orderlies, Blue Jones, who's played by Oscar Isaac. I like that name. That's yeah. a cool name. Yeah, so there's called Blue. While we are here, we get introduced. So it's mostly right now it is him and it is the stepfather. He's signing her into the asylum and they have a conversation about how he wants to get her a lobotomy. Basically, he says to Blue, if I give you a certain amount of money, can you make that happen? And Blue basically says, I forge the psychiatrist's signature on those all the time. I can do that for you. Also, mm-hmm. like, back then, all you had to do was be like, this girl cries too much. Lobotomize her. <laughs> Pretty much. She is. They also then w- walk into a room with Baby Doll, and as they're having this conversation, we get one of the coolest shots of the movie, in my opinion, where you see half of Baby Doll's face. It's a close-up on half of her face, and you see her dad behind her. And as the two are having this conversation, it pans back and forth. Not pans, but switches from each side of her face. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing her as they're arguing about or deciding what to do with her. You can see her listening. It's like, it's a really cool effect. And after that, they're telling her kind of all about what's in store for her, the things that they have, the programs they have. And the one happening in front of her is that they are in a room with tables and that stage that we saw earlier. From the opening. With the WB's logo. Oh, right, right. Yeah. But on the bed, instead of Baby Doll, is Abby Cornish. We mm-hmm. don't 
she doesn't speak or anything, but we see her up there. We get a brief glance also of a table of girls, and if you look closely enough, you'll see that it is Jenna Malone, Jamie Chung, Vanessa Hudgens. Mm -hmm. And then we also see, her name is Dr. Vera Gorski, which is, what's her name? Carla Caccino. Yes, that is her. And they say that this area is where she lets the patients act out things that they believe to be true. It's a kind of therapy where they're supposed to live out things that may or may not be true. And Aww. and it's all of that is going on. So a montage goes by of Baby Doll at the asylum for the next few days. She's having some therapy sessions. She's being alone. Um, this is all back to the song... Where is my mind? I nice. think. What is that song called? It is. It's called Where Is My Mind by the Pixies. By the Pixies. Yeah, but um, what's a really fun thing to know is that a lot of these songs on the soundtrack are covers, um, sung by Emily Browning herself. Oh. So it's kind of like she's singing it to herself, even though she doesn't like sing the lyrics out loud. Love it. The beginning song that happens during the whole montage about her stepdad and her killing her sister is a cover of Sweet Dreams. Mm-hmm. Scary. Very yeah. scary. It's dope. It's dope. That song gives me anxiety. <laughs> I'm sure it gave her anxiety, too. Um, she's finally being led down to the lobotomy room on the last day. She's sat in the chair. The lobotomist pulls back his spoke to hammer it into her brain. And just as he's about to hit it, we pull back. And we're back in the theater, in the um, on the stage where Baby Doll is replaced by Abby Cornish, and the theater is like transformed into this burlesque 1950s style brothel, and Baby Doll has just arrived. And also notable, John Hamm is the person performing the lobotomy. Scary. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a good point where we can talk about the names of the friends she will soon be meeting. Because, as I said, we have... Let's see, I wrote them all down. We have Jamie Chung, Vanessa Hudgens, Jenna Malone, and Abby Cornish. And, as you can see, Baby Doll's a pretty ridiculous name. Also seems like it could potentially be a stripper-type name, since they're now at a burlesque. Can we have some guesses on other names? Because it kind of reminded me of a female The Crow. Nice. Where everybody has redonkulous names. <laughs> I need a little bit of hintage, then. Okay. So, should we give her one of the names? I think that Jamie Chung's is going to be hard to guess. Oh, oh, that's a boring one, actually, Just now because that I'm it looking doesn't, at it. it. I'm not really sure what it's referring to. The other ones are kind of representative. Okay. Jamie Chung's name is Amber. Oh. It doesn't really help. That's pretty boring. <laughs> I was actually going to guess that somebody's name is Violet. Oh. <laughs> a clue for Vanessa Hudgens. Her hair, she has big, dark, black hair. So what do you think <laughs> her name is? It's ironic. It is a Blondie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Blondie. Jenna Malone, she's Love like it. a spunky, spitfire kind of woman. Yeah. She has the same haircut as Link. Oh. <laughs> so is it Zelda? No. <laughs> but that's her vibe. It's like a firecracker name. It's Katniss. Oh no. my god. And it foreshadows. I guess it does. Right? Yeah. Ooh. Is it a noun or an adjective? It's a noun. noun. Is it something you can hold in the palm of your hand? No. no. <laughs> is it bigger than a house? Yes. Ooh. <laughs> Sometimes. It can be. It's a spitfiery name. First letter? R. R. Rogue. That's not a noun. <laughs> um, I see your like, mouth trying to like form the name. Right? It's what? also the name of a character in Marvel. Oh. What's that one? 
storm lady's name. No. Storm? No. <laughs> Doesn't work. Oh, it's the name of a Marvel character. Has this character gotten a movie yet? No. No. That's they will not. Clue, I think. <laughs> they will not. Just think of like all like big Marvel characters whose names start with R. I know, that's hard. <laughs> Rainstorm. I don't know. <laughs> uh Rabbit. Close. Rabid. No. <laughs> like think of what character keeps getting called Rabbit. Or not Rabbit. That's like Oh, things. Rocket. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Rocket. Good for her. Ugh. And lastly, this one's pretty hard. It's two words, and uh, it's like something that, like, a gross guy that you don't know would call you to, like, sound endearing. Ew. I also sweet think- Sweet cheeks. Ooh, That's close. really close. <laughs> You're not half right. I'm guessing the sweet yeah. part. Sweet. Is it sweetie or sweet? Sweet. Sweet- Lips. No. <laughs> I thought you were gonna get it. <laughs> Sweet thing? No. No. Is the next word a noun? Yeah. Is it a plural noun? No. No. Sweet feet. <laughs> That's plural. That's what Quentin Tarantino calls That's what Quentin Tarantino calls Abby Cornish. <laughs> Sweet thing. That's what he calls him a thermon. I don't know. Sweet sugar. Sweet pea. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Yeah. See, we're women. We can call them these things. Yeah. Sweet pea. I love it. Yeah. Ooh. So, like I said, we're in the theater. It's now like a burlesque club. And Baby Doll has just arrived with her stepfather, who is now reimagined as a priest. Ooh. Because he's her father. See, see, I... We listened to a little video together where they talked about a lot of things, and that was one of the things he said. But... I wrote a note when I was watching the movie, maybe it's because he's a pedophile? Mm, and what's yikes. another caricature for a pedophile? Yeah. Oh, that's scary. That's I, is it is it the same actor then? It is. Yeah. Because I always love when um, Peter Pan, it's always Mr. Darling goes and plays Captain Hook oh, yes. later. I really like that. Yeah. Okay. Scary. Everybody is in the real world somehow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Blue it owns the brothel. He's some kind of like suit wearing mobster kind of guy, and the rest of the girls, all the dancers, they're all practicing this weird lobotomy scene that they say is probably gonna be like some theatrical dance in their show. And Sweet Pea is not about it. She's like, "This is ridiculous. <laughs> like, why is this sexy? This isn't yeah. sexy. What are we doing?" Doctor Gorski is the dance instructor, and um, Sweet Pea calls herself the star of the show. Um, Blue informs Baby Doll that her virginity is going to be sold to a client known as the High Roller in three days. I'm sorry. Oh, you know. Oh, you know. <laughs> um, do you want me to... I have the cook part. This is the cook Is part. this the cook yeah. part? Okay. Yeah. okay. It's going to be gross. Yes. No. <laughs> so, um, Baby Doll is kind of trying to assimilate into the ways of the brothel. She's seen crying alone in the bathroom. Um, Asleep is playing, you know, Sing Me to Sleep. And Emily Browning sings it. Nice. And she's scrubbing the floors during the day. Um, one day, Rocket, Jenna Malone, is working in the kitchen with this grubby-ass cook, okay? He's just, like, the nastiest cook that you've ever seen. Like, think of, like, a stereotypical brothel cook. Like, that's what, that's what it is. Okay. You know? As you know. <laughs> what you classics. have in your mind, that's what it I've is. I've seen sailor movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, while the cook's not looking, she tries to steal a piece of cooking chocolate. 
for herself, but the cook catches her and he throws her down and he tries to rape her. Baby doll hears her screams from afar and runs to Rocket's rescue. She rips the knife off of the cook's belt and threatens him with it to let Rocket go. He lets her go. She drops the knife. And once they're safe, um, Rocket's kind of overwhelmed with what just happened to her, but she's trying to shrug it off like she's a tough cookie. And they have to go to dance practice. Mm-hmm. And she's definitely not okay. She's like, no. let's not talk about it. No. This is a random fun fact. It's not that fun, but I thought it was kind of cool. Jenna Malone and Emily Browning have both played older siblings of the actor Liam Aiken, who you will know from a series yes. of unfortunate events. I do know him And from also that. Stepmom, which I guess is the one with Jenna Malone, but I've never mm-hmm. seen that. Okay. Yeah, I love Stepmom. Oh, really? Yeah, we were, oh. we were talking about this not that long ago. Really? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. They go to dance class where Sweet Pea is practicing her steps. Madame Gorski is just not impressed with Sweet Pea's work, <laughs> and she forces her to go take break. <laughs> she has that accent. And I can't decide if her accent's good or not, but it either way, it's taken me out of it. Because yeah. it's definitely trying to set a vibe, but it makes me laugh every time. I will say after multiple watches, it, it's taken getting used to, and now I like it. Okay. Um, I love a good Russian accent. <laughs> so, Sweet Pea goes to take break. And <laughs> she says, baby doll. What? You're doing a good job. <laughs> it's really hard. Not good at accents. Um, she says, you know. Please perform erotic dance. I'm like, <laughs> Does I'm she like, really say that? <laughs> no. This is what she says. She says, well, you know, I'm going to put some music on. I and- sound like Gru from the same <laughs> Please perform erotic dance. <laughs> She puts some music on, and she's like, I just want you to relax and feel the music, and when you're ready, I want you to dance. Baby Doll's kind of nervous, so Madame Gorski shuts off the music, and she says my favorite lines of the film, which is this. If you do not dance, you have no purpose, and we don't keep things here that have no purpose. You see, your fight for survival starts right now. You don't want to be judged? You won't be. You don't think you're strong enough? You are. You're afraid? Don't be. You have all the weapons you need. Now fight. Cool. Mm-hmm. So she puts on this music, which is my favorite song from the fucking movie. Oh my gosh. It's, um, it's, um, Army of Me, which I thought it was a Bjork song. I'm pretty sure it is a Bjork song. Yes, it's a Bjork song. Okay. But it's featuring Skunk Anansi. Oh, you know. Skunk Anansi. I don't know that, but it's a dope Skunk Anansi. Skunk Anansi. The, the dopest. Skunk Anansi. <laughs> the, the sickest. Wait, let me just double check to see if it's Bjork. It is. Was it's... there a guy named Skunk in the Crow? Yes. No, Skank. So Skank. Oh, okay. So the Bjork song comes on. Baby doll closes her eyes. She starts to sway like she's going to start dancing. And a little snowflake comes, and a little snowflake <laughs> melts on her eyelashes. Baby doll, you are my little snowflake. Oh, God. <laughs> You're my sweet pea. <laughs> and we, we zoom out, and we're in a totally different area. We are in feudal Japan. Third level oh. of the Inception ring, if you will. Yes. Wow. This is actually, I'm going to, this is where I start to get a little bit critical of the movie is around this point because it's one of those things where if you if you try to make direct parallels too hard I don't really know where this lines up because she's in an insane asylum and then she pictures herself in this brothel but her fantasy of a brothel so bad 
She has to go one level deeper <laughs> into a new fantasy where she's a badass. So here we have the reveal of Kimmy's favorite of out- outfit of all time. Mm-hmm. It's her, it's basically a sexy schoolgirl outfit. Yeah. It's like it's an anime schoolgirl outfit. Slash kind of Sailor, sailor Moon looking. Yeah. yeah, actually so Sailor Moon looking. She's got yeah. curly ponytails. It's great. Yeah. I've been wanting to cosplay this for years. Let me just say, that whole aesthetic... Made it really difficult last year when I directed The Sound of Music and I was trying to buy Ooh. school uniforms for <laughs> the Von Trapp children. <laughs> you want a belly shirt or a school girl? I was like, Navy Sailor Girl outfit. <laughs> and I did not get what I wanted. Um, during this sequence, she's kind of in the middle of an open space with a building in front of her with some steps. And she... Is just kind of there in the snow by herself, again, in this very cold outfit. Take care of yourself in your next (laughs) fantasy, okay? (laughs) So she is walking up to the only room she sees in front of her, which is up those steps. Inside is who we will call, and the movie calls, The Wise Man. And he's there, and it's all very, I mean, again, Kill Bill-esque, where it seems like an homage to either some anime stuff or some kung fu stuff. He's, you know, sitting and, like, cross-legged on the floor with some candles and stuff, and he has a sword, and they have this whole... This is where he's setting up pretty much the rest of the movie, and he tells her that in order to get what she needs... Actually, he uses the word, in order to escape, you will need five items. This is when he says she will need a map, fire, a knife, a key, and a fifth unrevealed item. That would require a deep sacrifice, but bring a perfect victory. After she's discovered this, and he gives her some weapons. A samurai sword and a gun with a dope bling chain thing. on the You know, like where you used to put those things on your phone? <laughs> the charms? Yes. The little charms? It's like that, but at the bottom of a gun. <laughs> All of a sudden now, there's these giant samurai men, but they're more like... Rock people or uh, uh, yeah. robots. Yeah, oh. they're, they're these huge guys. They're big. She's Emily Browning is five feet tall. These things are like triple her size. She's only five feet tall. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, like a like a solid five zero. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Whoa. she's like five foot or five one. I know she's shorter than me. I thought she was like five ten. Nope, she's really really wow. short. She's real little. I think Abby Cornish might be a tall person. She's tall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she seemed the tallest of the crew and. Baby doll's for sure the smallest. Dang. She's got to be the baby doll. I guess. I just, I mean, I grew up with her in a series of unfortunate events, mm. and I mean, I was younger than her, and she looks so tall next to that baby, so... Yeah. <laughs> next to a literal makes a lot baby. Sense. <laughs> next to a literal baby. <laughs> but still shorter than Jim Carrey. <laughs> um, yeah. So then, um... I meant to write the quotation down, but the wise man says something before she fights these guys. He's... He says, for those who fight for it, life has a flavor the sheltered will never know. She goes to go and fight these three giant samurai monsters. And she's kicked around for a while because she's not as skilled yet with her fighting weapons. But soon she gets the hang of it. She decapitates the first one and light comes out of it instead of blood. And she fights the other one. She slays him in half. And she gets the third one, too, and she is so dope. Snow is falling around her. It's dope. It's fucking sick. And she finishes 
And just as she's finished, um, the camera pans around her and she's back in the studio. And she's just finished her dance. After this dance has ended, Baby Doll starts the plan that she wants to include everyone to help her escape. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, the first person that she talks to pretty much, because the person she's bonded with is Rocket. And Rocket is into it. Super wants to do it. They kind of get the other girls on board. But Sweet Pea is the level-headed one. She's the one driving the ship. We find out a little bit of backstory here that... So Sweet Pea and Rocket are sisters. Mm. And Sweet Pea's very protective of Rocket. She actually is only here because she came here to follow Rocket when Rocket left home. So she didn't even need to be in this kind of a situation. But Sounds she's like none here. of them need to be there. They were just put there by men. Yeah. So she followed her here. She's the level-headed one. She doesn't want to do this because she's already sacrificed a lot to be yeah. with Rocket. And it's not a good idea. She's very protective of both of them. Um, but they start to convince her. Baby Doll says, here's all the reasons why we should. And she makes a little list on the back of this chalkboard that they have in their dressing room. She turns it around. There's more chalk board on the back she writes out all the items they need as they're going through each of the items and where they're gonna get them so let's i guess let's go through them a map so so when they say map um they're talking about a map of the institution oh uh brothel slash institution if we're comparing it to the first layer layer. (laughs) um and this map is inside of blue's office so they're figuring out how they're gonna get that the second one is fire. So they know that there's a client that comes in that has a really fancy lighter and they think one of the girls could get it off of him. The third one is a knife, which we saw earlier we can get from the cook. And the fourth one is the key we saw around Blue's neck. And when they talk about the key, Baby Doll asks Blondie, which is Vanessa Hudgens, is that key, what, like, what is that key for? Because I think we can use it. And Vanessa says, it's a master key, I think. To which I reply, you're going to go steal it based off of I think it'll open all the doors. Mm. Anyway, that's not that big of a deal. I just thought it was funny. She goes, it's a master, I think. And they all go, okay, solid. (laughs) I just don't understand how any of these things are going to get them what they want. You'll see. Okay. They they, 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 leave it vague on purpose. They Mm -hmm. take a map somewhere. They start a fire so that everyone has to get out of the building. Yeah. Diversion. They stab somebody. <laughs> and then they have a cute necklace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the last thing I'll say about this is that Sweet Pea gives the stipulation that she will go along with it, but if it gets too crazy and they're in over their heads, she has the authority to say, we're stopping. We're not going to do this. Okay. So, Baby Doll's plan is to use her dance as a distraction while the other girls obtain the necessary tools. And uh, Sweet Pea says, well, we're going to be taking all the risk. And she says, no, you won't. When they're watching me, they won't see you. It's like you've done one dance. Can you calm down? I'm amazing. It's fine. (laughs) The first item is the map in Blue's office. So Sweet Pea coerces Blue to leave the office, and she says, baby doll's practicing her dance. You want to come see? And he, you know, gets ready because he loves his baby doll. Gross. (laughs) baby doll begins to dance again all the girls are transported to a world war one bunker and they have to infiltrate this other bunker protected by these steampunk inspired german soldiers to gain the map and they're all in their epic costumes now 
there it's totally anachronistic like it's like it's not part of the times their yeah, costumes yeah, yeah. are and they're right. all like different like someone looks like a ninja someone looks like like a dominatrix sweet peas is like kind of a trench coat slash hood yeah. Oh. Get up. I really hers is my favorite. I think it's so yeah. cool. She's almost wearing a leotard, so it's like bikini. There's like no nothing on her legs except for these boots. Wow. But then um she has like this cool cloak that has a hood and goes down to the back of her legs. What a fun job for the costume designer and right? production designer of this film. This scene is back to White Rabbit. Oh. It, it's dope. <laughs> wow. I love that song. Like the original version? It, this one is by Emiliana Torini, so oh, okay. I don't know if that's who originally no. sings it, um, but it's pretty sick. I think it's a pretty popular one nowadays. Okay. So they arrive, and they are met by the wise man, who's kind of dressed up like their captain, because it's oh. World War One. He says, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. To which I go, pa Because <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, and one more thing. Try to work together. Aha! <laughs> and then, then you could put the snarky video game master he is. Yeah. They fight dopely through the trenches. Everybody kind of has their moment. Everybody has different weapons and guns and stuff. Like, Amber's kind of in charge of, like, aerial attacks. So she has, like, this robotic, like kind of jumping and flying machine that she can use. This is my favorite adventure that they do. Mm. I just think that the action sequence is super good. The choreography is awesome. Song works. They work really well together, and there's some awesome slow-mo shots. Like, there's this one where Rocket, like, flips her gun, and you think she's going to miss because she grabs the wrong side, but she uses it to, like, hit somebody in the head with the back of the gun. This is very similar to the vibe that I told you in the beginning. I mean, all of the action sequences are, but it's, again, very CGI and Mm repo-esque on purpose. And has, even the choreography looks anime and unrealistic. So Mm -hmm. there's, for example, in, I think this happened earlier, but... Baby Doll does a flip much like Rey in the new Star Wars movie oh, where cool. she does that over a knife. So everything yeah. is kind of and this is something we talked about too is that everything defies physics on purpose because it can because it's three levels deep in your imagination. Yeah. Yeah, they get the map. There's this awesome part where the captain has his gun on her and he's like give it up and she has the map in her hand, so she throws it up into the sky. It goes, like, a million miles above her head because, you know, physics does Into exist. the clouds. Okay. Amber comes down with all the girls in the top of the machine jumping thing, and they machine gun the rest of them to the ground. They pick up Baby Doll, and they ricochet up um, into the sky. So, after the dance, Blue is so impressed with Baby Doll's dancing that he insists that Madame Gorski get her ready to perform for the mayor the next night. Gorski says, no, she's not ready. <laughs> it's, it's too raw. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she says. And she, she says, goes, I must choreograph. Yeah. <laughs> she says, these are my girls and I'm in charge of the show. And I say no. And Blue grabs her by the throat and reminds her that he owns her. Therefore, he owns the girls. So he owns the show and what he says goes. I'm guessing he's the actor you love who you don't like. Yes. Okay. He is. Mm-hmm. He, and it gets way worse. Great. <laughs> he's like a slimy fucking bastard. Like, it's great. Baby. Um, so, so this is when it's established that we're moving on to the second item. 
And they discuss how now that the mayor is going to come to see her perform, he's the one who has the fancy lighter. Mm. And he loves Amber. Amber's his favorite dancer. And so they say, Amber, you have to get the lighter off of him. And she says, there's no way I can do that. He keeps it in his breast coat pocket. So they say, well, Blondie says, you know, just do the trick. Do the kiss on the neck trick and then slide your hand into his pocket and get the whatever. Sometime during this whole shebang, we see Blue go into his office and notice that the map has been messed with. And now it's the day of the mayor coming. And he's there, and he walks in. He's also pretty stereotypical looking. Pretty Fedora wearing, mm, huge cigar. There's another really interesting shot where he's smoking the cigar, and he's not paying attention. I think this is actually a little later, but it doesn't really matter. He's smoking the cigar, and he's not noticing how much of it has turned to ash, and the ash falls onto his shoe and crashes like glass. It makes a glass sound. Interesting. Just interesting style choices like that that I like stand it. out. But he's sitting there, and Baby's going to start her dance. As soon as the curtains are revealed, she's in kind of a doll-looking outfit, but also it's like slutty doll. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he sees her, and he's instantly, who cares about Amber who's sitting on my lap? Uh-oh. I care about Baby doll. Why does she have to come out on stage? Oh, right. It's she's the a distraction. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so Baby Doll's out on stage, and she does the sway, and now we're in the new sequence. The girls are transported to, now, an orc-infested castle to retrieve <laughs> orc? Yes, like the goblins <laughs> from Lord of the Rings. Exactly. Disgusting. The exact, exactly like them. Man flesh. They meet up with the wise man. Wait, the- is this when he says the line that I really want to say? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> So, as they're about to go on their mission, and he always prefaces the mission, he says, you need to go get this thing from this thing. So he says, there's a dragon in there, you gotta steal the crystals out of its throat, and when you rub the crystals together, it creates fire. Which is kind of, you know, how lighting a lighter works. And before they get out of the plane, he says, alright girls, don't ever write a check with your mouth you can't cash with your ass. <laughs> you know, typical sayings. The cliche. <laughs> he says, one more thing. I love that. Don't wake the mother. The mother dragon? Yeah. yeah. Can we put that, like, on our, like, I want it to be, like, really stenciled calligraphy and, like, hang that above our, <laughs> our kitchen window. We have, like, crocheted. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. Um... They fight their way through all these orcs in the castle. They get inside the castle, and there is indeed a baby dragon sleeping on a nest. Is he cute? He's huge. It is, kind of, it is oh. pretty big, but um, baby doll pulls its neck up and she feels for the the rocks in its throat. And she takes her samurai sword and slits its throat. What a bitch! <laughs> it's yeah, super, isn't that rude? Dragons yeah. have rights too. It's super slimy and nasty in there, and she sticks her whole hand down his throat to get these two rocks. I'm sorry, but I'm no longer on board with our protagonist. <laughs> a helpless dragon just trying to protect his mother. Gosh. She cracks them together. A big, like, burst of, like, beautiful orange glow comes out or something, which awakens the mother. Of course they fucking wake up the mother. Rookie you know? move. That poor mother. Rub your son <laughs> is dead. <laughs> Rub your crystals together later. I know. The <laughs> Don't have a rub your crystals together in front of a dragon. <laughs> Unless you're ready to cash it with your ass. 
The they're chased out of the castle by the dragon. Of course, there's a part where the dragon is flying through the air, trying to catch Amber and Blondie, who are flying the plane. They lead the dragon away until they can get the dragon to go back and focus on Baby Doll. Baby Doll runs out of the front gate of the castle just in time for the dragon to to um, slide its face through the opening. She jumps up in the dopest flame-covered shot where she spins around in the air and plunges her samurai sword straight through the top of its head until it dies. Cool. We are now transported to, again, the room where Baby Doll is dancing. And Amber has just slipped that lighter right out of his pocket. No one has noticed. All is good in the world. She goes back into the backstage area and all the girls are celebrating. They're so proud of her. She realizes how easy it was. Like, of course he's not going to pay attention while you're dancing. As they're having a time and a half, the mayor notices his lighter is gone. Uh Uh-huh. Because now Blue comes in as they're all cheering and stuff and says very menacingly, Oh, what you guys all so excited about? And they say, just, you know, her dancing was awesome. It was fire, if you will. (laughs) And and he says, oh, okay, because things just seem a little fishy around here. Like, um, it seems like someone was in my office, and now the mayor's lighter is missing. Just seems weird coincidence that you guys are having a ball in here after those weird things. And um, he basically does like this gaslighting kind of speech where he makes everybody feel guilty for all the protection and food and roof over their heads that he's provided. And he's throwing it in their faces with this little dream of freedom. And they better snap that out of, you know, they better like stop that business and get back to how things used to be or else. Yeah, he basically says, like, if I catch you doing one more thing, and I've already caught you doing both of the things you did, something bad's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Sweet Pea's about to call Malala on them, isn't she? Done on all. Sweet Pea does say, we're done. Malala. Yes, that's it. Yeah, she says Malala. <laughs> you know, that's and it. And much like Booksmart, they don't respect Malala. Of course mm-hmm. they don't. No. She's, uh, Rocket says, no, we're doing this. We've come this far. And she says... No, you have to listen to me. Like, basically, you're the reason why we're here, so you're going to do what I say. And she says, I'm finishing this. And they kind of leave Sweet Pea. Oh. Sweet Pea's not yeah. going to be part of it anymore. That's yeah. fine. We're doing it without you. Madame Gorski hears Blondie crying in the practice room. You know, she was really shaken up by Blue's threats. She tries to comfort her, and she says, What's going on, Blondie? You can tell me. We know that... Madame Gorski is a trustworthy character by this point. Um, But in the background, you see some men's shoes come out and listen in. Then we cut to the kitchen. The girls are waiting for Blondie to bring the music down, but she's late. They don't know where she's at. And at the very last minute, Sweet Pea arrives. And she says, I'm going to be a part of it now just so that I can protect you, Rocket. And Mm -hmm. they're glad to have her. And she says, what are you waiting for? Let's just use the radio, the cook's radio. And they turn it up, and they kind of distract the cook and make him sit in a chair. And they say, relax, you're going to want to watch this. And Baby Doll gets on the table and starts to dance again. In order to get her on the table, they push everything out of the way. Very, kind of in the way that you see in movies where people are about to bang on a table. They throw everything off in a fit of fury. And um, this is all we see right now, but we see uh, this big pot of potatoes 
fall to the floor and water spills out of it. We are transported to some futuristic space world. Wow. Dystopian looking. Yeah. And there's a kind of like a, a streamlined train barreling towards the city. They are with the wise man. He says there's a bomb in the train and it's going to detonate when it reaches the city. So if I were you, I'd hurry. It's like favorite things to say are, and one more thing. Yeah. So if I were you, and you better not. And, <laughs> and you better watch out. Yeah. Stick together. Try not to die. <laughs> Gear up. Strap on. <laughs> Have fun. The things that are attacking them are these like robot, almost like iRobot looking metal guys. And they're those like, are just people. Well, no, these ones, they just have the same shape as those, but they're all made out of, like, this mirror-type material, so, like, everything is reflected in them. Cool. Gosh, again, production design sounds fun. Yeah. Production design is elaborate. This movie must have cost a butt-ton. I forgot to mention this, but I, I kind of uh, spoke to it briefly in the samurai scene, but there's no blood in this movie. Oh, and every time that the monsters or stuff that they're fighting get killed, it's like steam comes out or light, light comes out. These things just shatter because they're made of glass, essentially. Um, so that's kind of nice. They kill all the robots and they disarm the bomb. I would say this is a good point to say because this one is the one where more than any of the other scenes, we're seeing a lot of cut back to the kitchen and cut back to the this dream and around this point is probably when we start to see that there is an exposed wire in this cook's ancient radio and it looks like the water from the potatoes is headed toward it scary mm -hmm. and um while they're trying to disarm the bomb the flashbacks like are going back and forth through both of these worlds and the futuristic train is saying you're getting too close to the city proximity warning proximity warning and as the water is getting closer and closer Ooh. to the wire that's exposed mm -hmm. and then i think this yeah is <laughs> halfway point it's the halfway point i'm like this one is hard because we have to like get on the same wavelength yeah. of where to okay. stop this part so cool they're going to be thrown out of that simulation because the cook is going to get electrocuted and he's going to die and then they're going to get into trouble mm. and I think maybe even then get thrown back into the real level because they accidentally killed a cook for real. Do, how does he die? Water. He gets okay, so, so he dies from the electrocution. Yeah. Okay. Or, yeah, or it's like, you know, he notices it. Sparks start coming, and then they have to kill him because okay. he notices something. Either way, he's dead. And they get blamed for it either way. And they get blamed for it. And I feel like it's gonna we're going to get pulled out a couple levels. Like, maybe even all the way to the beginning level would be cool. Mm. I would like to see that because we haven't seen them ever interact in that level. Um, but then again, maybe they just never will. So either way, they're going to get pulled out of at least the futuristic level. Mm -hmm. um, along the way, that's going to throw a huge wrench in their plan one of them, I feel like, is going to be taken away from the group by Oscar Isaac to be like, you're wanted for questioning for the murder of James Cook. <laughs> James, <laughs> James Cook. <laughs> and, um, so anyways, I think they're going to get separated. They already didn't have Sweet Pea. Now it's going to have to be just like maybe Rocket and Baby Doll going into the next task because like Amber got pulled away or mm -hmm. Blondie got pulled away. 
Um, it was probably Blondie, because, like, she hasn't had her moment yet. Mm. And then maybe they do need to get Sweet Pea back in. Um, or maybe they take Rocket, and then they have to go get Sweet Pea to get Rocket as mm. well. So either way, that becomes a whole other detour that they have to take, because <laughs> their, their plan has been put on hold. They have two items. Things stop when they try to get the knife. They need a key, and you guys said there's a fifth thing that we never know about? That we don't know yet. We don't know yet. So I would like you to guess what you think this fifth thing could be. A sucker punch. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a delicious treat that they have in this No, you just have to sucker punch somebody. I really wonder why it's called that, because that sounds... It sounds kind of like I get where they're going with, like, this girly badass type I thing. Would, I would like to, I just thought of this literally right now because I haven't really thought about that, but maybe it's... Is it a lollipop thing? No, oh. but like a sucker punch is if I punch Kimmy when she wasn't ready. Yeah. So maybe it's kind of a parallel to the lobotomy. Like, okay, I, that's not fair. I don't have a say in it. And I'm just, I'm not saying I don't think it, that the fifth thing is a lollipop. I'm saying it sounds like something like, like one of these girls could easily be named lollipop. And Ooh, so he's like, so like totally. a sucker, like a sucker punch mm. <laughs> and so yeah but i'm guessing the sucker punch has already happened like that's why it's titled that because she got thrown into this situation she mm-hmm. never wanted to be in i'm kind of hoping that they end up taking things back and like oscar isaac gets metaphorically sucker punched mm. um i think the outcome in the very end is that she because because really she needs all these things to kind of feel unlobotomized right because they're saying you have to escape and she's been lobotomized, and well, we so... we haven't seen her get lobotomized. Oh, you said John Hamm was gonna lobotomize well, he's her. he's going to. He's one second away from doing it. Oh, yeah. what? Uh, it, all of this, like, fantasy world is happening the second before she's lobotomized. <laughs> Supposedly. Supposedly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's up to... In- A lot of this is, like, up to interpretation. Yes. That's how I see it. But so, so, so... So, maybe, like, I think the way they want you to interpret it is by using the word escape. It could mean not getting lobotomized. Gotcha. Okay. She makes it through everything. Mm-hmm. The second she comes out before the lobotomy, she uses the knife. She stabs John Ham. She takes the lighter and she sticks it up to the sprinklers in the ceiling Ooh. to like cause chaos within the thing. She uses the map to find her way through all the things. She takes the key. She gets out. <laughs> and the fifth item is a picture of her sister. <laughs> <laughs> She needs to feel better. <laughs> That's awesome. She's free. She gets out. Okay. And then, yeah, she, she sets her friends free. Okay. Anything else? Carla Cugino is her mom the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Okay. No, no, I don't have anything else. I feel, I feel wrong. <laughs> okay. We won't say. But, yeah. Here's what happens. Ready? Are yeah. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> the water does reach... The exposed core. Can you imagine if it didn't? (laughs) Everything goes fine. The music stops. The cook is kind of taken out of it. And he's like, what the fuck are you all doing? They try to remedy the situation, but he pulls his knife out. Because they've already started going for the knife, so he gets what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And he he goes for Sweet Pea, because she's the closest to him. But right before he stabs her, Rocket... Goes in front of Sweet Pea. To sacrifice herself. And we're transported back to the future area. Back to the where future. Where a half-killed robot has reactivated the bomb before he dies. Ooh. Um, and everybody else is airlifted out of the train. And they're like, it's too late. We're too close to the city. 
And Rocket's gonna explode like a rocket. <laughs> rocket and Sweet Pea are both in the train. So. Yeah. And she says, come on, we gotta abort. And she says, no, I, I have to finish this. She says, no, you're coming with me. And she says, don't be mad at me for this. And she says, what? And she clicks the thing on her um, rocket, her, her um, like, jetpack. Yeah. And Sweet Pea is taken out of the train just as the train is smashed into the city and Rocket explodes. Oh. And the, and the city explodes. And now we're back in, the dance is over and we're back in the kitchen and Rocket is stabbed. Mm-hmm. And she's bleeding out in Sweet Pea's arms. It's sad. Like her sister. <laughs> and yeah. Sweet Pea, like, is, like, horribly crying. It's like I think she's the best actor. I think she's the best actress in this movie. Yeah. Just as, like, her cries are, like, voluminous. <laughs> um, Blue busts through to figure out what the hullabaloo is about. And he sees that Rocket is dead. And he gets all the girls out of here. And he says, I'm going to deal with you, Cook, later. And he's like, I'm sorry I didn't know what was going on. He makes his henchmen grab Sweet Pea off of her and she's screaming because she wants her sister. And he's like, yeah, look. Look what you've done. Look, are you happy now? This is what all of your efforts have come to. She's dead. Look at her. It's pretty, it's like really grotesque. He's yelling in her face and making her look gross. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he says, chop, chop. Time to get ready for the high roller. And he makes everybody go to the dressing room. Amber looks down at the ground where we saw the knife fall down on the ground earlier. And it's not there anymore. She picked it up. Oh, so she they get the knife? They do. Somebody has the knife. Yeah. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. All the girls are crying as they're, like, being forced to get ready. Madame Gorski's trying to put on Baby Doll's costume, and she's just, like, tear-stained. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, I think, around this point, see people start to come in for this performance, and the high roller is John Hamm. Mm-hmm. The lobotomist. Yes. Blue walks in. He's pumped. He's ready for the high roller because he's going to give her a shit... Give him a shit ton of money for her virginity. Oh, I forgot that was part of it. Blech. Yeah. Yeah. And Blue yells at the girls because he feels hurt by their antics. And he pulls out a gun and threatens them all with it. And he's like, I'm your employer. I'm your protector. And this is what you do. This is how you repay me. And he's going There's to shoot. There's also like a whole room full of people watching yeah. this. It's oh. not just the three, four girls. Yeah. It's all the dancers. And he goes to Madame Gorski like he's going to shoot her. And Blondie pipes up and she says, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to tell him everything. I told him everything. <laughs> <laughs> Vanessa. Typical Vanessa. And we don't need um, her. he walks around to Blondie and he says, yes, thank you so much for telling me, but we don't like snitches. And he shoots Blondie dead. Good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and Amber says, oh, Blondie. And he's like, yep, too bad. Shoots Amber dead. No. Oh, my goodness. Yep. So all that's left is Baby Doll and Amber. Um, sweet sorry. Pea. All that's left is Baby Doll and Sweet Pea. Poor mm-hmm. Sweet Pea. But Sweet Pea's like under lock and key somewhere that we don't yeah. see right and now. And Gorski. She's alive, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, Gorski's just there crying. He says, everybody, get out. Get out. Get ready for the dance. He says, I don't like guns. Take this away from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should like that part. I yes. Yeah. Wow. Um, and it's just him and Baby Doll alone in the dressing room. And he starts to get fresh with her. This is the part Kayleen didn't want to say. Yeah. Um, and he's going to rape her, you know. And this whole movie he said how much he wants her, but no, he's going to keep her the way that she is because he's going to get a small fortune from her. 
But now he's getting a little bit antsy and he's touching her and he's got her against the mirror and she slaps him and he likes it. It's awful and he's laughing at her and he says, you know, I run this place. Being the owner of this club is kind of hard because it's like I'm a little boy in a sandbox. This is the grossest thing ever. He's like, I'm like a little boy in a sandbox and I'm sitting in the corner of the sandbox and everybody else gets to play with my toys. And that's so gross. There's no vocal reaction for me over here because I'm just like, it's too much. Yeah. Like, Oscar Isaac's so good. Like, you believe, we've seen interviews with him. He's the most darling human. And he's like, just awful in this. Yeah. It's awful. It's gross. He can be so condescending too. He like, is. in Ex oh, Machina, yeah. he's, yeah. oh, he's so condescending oh, he's in that. He kind of yeah. like play whines at her. He says, Oh, are you sad? Did you lose your fight? Ugh. And ah. she says, she reaches under her desk where all the tools or stuff are taped underneath. And she pulls the knife out and she says, no, I just found it. And she stabs him in the collarbone. Stab him in the face. <laughs> yeah, she should have picked yeah. a better spot. But yeah. he's he's down for the count. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's just like, oh, I'm dead. He's like, he's not dead. <laughs> oh, I'm dead. <laughs> he like, says, oh, dead. He's just um, really in pain from the stab. And she... Ah, stab pain. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, blood out. She's not dead. (laughs) He's alive. I know. And he, she rips the key off of his neck. Mm -hmm. She has the master key now. And she takes all the other things. And she gets Sweet Pea out of the closet. She was in a closet the whole time. And she says, come on, let's go. She says, where's Amber and Blondie? And she says, it's just us now. And so what they do is they crawl around the facility using the map to find the exits. They make a Molotov cocktail with the lighter to light the janitorial closet on fire because there's a lot of chemicals in there. And that creates a distraction for all the other employees mm-hmm. of the club. And I believe the because it sets off the fire alarms, it then unlocks some of the doors. Mm-hmm. Some of the ones with bigger bolts the front on it. Gate. Yeah. And they make their way out. And they're out on the grounds, and they're just, like, a couple yards away from the front gate of the Lennox house. But there's a this... wise man show up now? No. There's uh-huh. this, this big crowd of, like, dudes. Like, bouncer-type dudes. Or, like, maybe, like... Customers. Customers or something like mm-hmm. that. So they're out here, and they, they're, they don't know how they're going to get past these guys. And obviously they have some kind of a time limit because all the, you know, the alarms are going off. People are going to notice they're gone, so they got to get out now. Mm-hmm. But there's all these dudes and they can't take on these five dudes and this is when we get the reveal. What is the fifth item, Courtney? Man repellent. <laughs> <laughs> Bug spray. It's baby doll herself. Oh, well, I was gonna say it's her confidence. It, it's, <laughs> it is her life, pretty much. Her life? It well, is... she's sacrificing herself in place so that Sweet Pea can escape. Wow. So she... A sister for a sister. (laughs) (laughs) She gives this whole speech about how it's her and how she realizes the whole time it was supposed to be her. This is a good scene, but it did bother me a little bit because this entire movie, she talks in a very childish way because she's supposed to be this kind of face of innocence. Mm -hmm. And in this scene specifically, I felt like she seems more like a kid to me than she did in a series of unfortunate events, which Mm -hmm. I guess that character is almost the opposite, where it's a kid who's mature and this one's like an adult who's immature. That gets me. You need to escape. Of course, Sweet Pea says, no, 
I can't do that. And she says, yes, you go. And so she just gets up in her outfit and walks right up to the men. And is like, hey. And they're like, where are you going? And they all turn and look at her as Sweet Pea gets out the gate. She kicks the main guy right in the gonads, and he falls down, and then pretty much instantly punches her in the face. And he's about three times her size as well. Mm-hmm. So, she's down. Oh. The punch in the face is, is, goes right next to bang the, the of bang the... of the lobotomy stick into oh. her eye. And um, a couple other flashes of her and stuff, and mm-hmm. like, and we're back to like ground zero now. And the lobotomy guy John l- pulls the stick out and he's like, looks kind of perplexed at her. And he says, did you see that? That was so weird. The way that she looked at me, like that was really weird. And Madame Gorski comes in. She's actually the doctor now. She's was been the therapist the whole time. And she says, yes, yeah, it's a shame that it's had to come to this. You know, I, but I don't agree with these kinds of methods. I don't think that it's like the right way to do things. And he's like, that's weird. Why would you sign off of a procedure that you don't agree with? Didn't you um, say that she should have this? And she says, no, I would never. And she looks and she sees the forged signature Hmm. from Blue Jones. And she's overwhelmed with the shock of the situation. The orderlies drag baby dolls like limp body to another area and she meets up with Blue Jones, and he's there. He's still an orderly, and he does have, like, a patch of blood on him, so it's clear that in whatever layer we are in, he was stabbed by her. And he says, see what you did? Yeah, you think that's, like, really funny? Get her in here. And they put her in, like, this back room, and all the orderlies are like, we don't want to do this anymore, Blue. We're done. And he's like, no, I need this. Get out. As Madame Gorski and the lobotomist are talking, she says, yeah, she's been, like, quite a problem. She's lit a fire, Mm -hmm. she's attacked an orderly, and she's also helped another patient escape. Cool. Okay. But now he has her locked in a room. And, like, it's kind of evident that he's been assaulting these patients every Mm -hmm. so often, that it's a common thing that he does. But he's really excited to get her now and we don't see her face the whole time. Like, ever since she's been lobotomized, we've only seen the back of her head. Wow. And he's looking at her, and he's, like, almost crying, and he's, like, got her by the throat, and he's like, no, you're in your happy place? Too bad. Stay here. You have to stay here with me. Um, but he realizes that she's not there anymore, and he cries, and he says, it's not fair. And just as he's about to maybe hurt her more or kill her, Everybody busts in to grab him, and he screams in pain, and Madame Gorski's there to rescue her, and they pull him out, and he's going to face the authorities, and that's Mm. great. Mm -hmm. So Blue's being pulled out. He tries to incriminate the stepfather. He's just, like, saying everything to get the blame off of him. And then we pan to Baby Doll for the first time, and even though she's in this lobotomized state, it looks like she's smiling serenely in a way. And, you know, it's it's kind of apparent that she's, like, found this freedom within herself in this imagined world, even though on the outside she's lobotomized, and that's not okay. Don't like that. We now get a cut to Sweet Pea at a bus station. She's, like, dressed in white, and she has her hair back. Like, kind of looks like she's trying to disguise herself, but not really. 
and she's about to get on a bus to presumably go off to freedom. And as she's about to step on the bus, these police officers come up to her come and stop on. her. And they're like, we want to ask you some questions. Come with us. And she kind of was, like, not trying to stir anything up, but she's just trying to get on the bus without them noticing anything. And then the door of the bus opens. Who do you think it is? Driving the bus? Yeah. The wise man. Yes. Yep. And he's like, excuse me, officers, she's been on the bus the whole time, but since whatever stopped, she just had to go to the bathroom. Like, what could she have done? And they're like, oh, she's really been on the bus the whole time? And he's like, yeah, she's been here. Whatever. <laughs> so they leave her alone, and she gets on the bus, and she says, I don't have any money. Which, it's like, but you were planning on getting on the bus the whole time. <laughs> and he goes... Oh, that's all right. Whatever. But then as the cops are walking away, he goes, and one more thing. Of course. She's been a joy the entire journey. And they're like, okay. (laughs) As she pulls away in the bus, that we get this last VO, which it's revealed that the VO has been Sweet Pea the entire time. Mm -hmm. And this is what the movie ends with. She says, who honors those we love for the very life we live who sends monsters to kill us and at the same time sings that we will never die? Who teaches us that real and how to smile, how to laugh at lies? Who decides why we live and what we'll die to defend? Who chains us and who holds the key that can set us free? It's you. You have all the weapons you need. Now fight. Oh my God. <laughs> That's the end. I like that part. It makes me emotional because yeah. it's saying that you have the inner strength to set yourself free. Yeah. It's yeah. got a good message for sure. Yeah. I think um, that this whole movie, that's the end of the movie. Yes. Yeah. This whole movie, I feel like, is really, like... Empowering. A, a, not empower. I mean, yeah, I think it's meant to be empowering, but really, what it really is is, like, the personification of, like, fighting for your freedom. Yeah. In the most extreme circumstance. There is something that Kimmy and I have talked about that I would actually like to save till after we rate. But there is one cool thing I found out um, that I wanted to share now. Have you guys ever heard of Dark Side of the Rainbow? No. Is that when you play Pink Floyd while watching The Wizard of Oz? Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, So I didn't really know much about that, but I've heard about it because you can actually, I think, buy a DVD where they've already done it for you. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, It's just like this weird thing where people discover that if you listen to that Pink Floyd album, it kind of ties to themes that are happening during the movie, during different songs. Yeah, I did that in high school. Did you really? I would like to do that someday, I I can imagine what that would be like. Yeah, Yeah, right? I was such a little emo kid. (laughs) But apparently, there's also um, a big following for people doing the dark side of Sucker Punch. Oh, that's pretty cool. Where a lot of themes of this movie match up. Ooh. Yeah. I feel like we should do dark side of Midsummer. (laughs) (laughs) Since it's like Wizard of Oz. Um, But yeah, with that... There's some more things I wanted to say, but I think we should read it first. Okay. Three, two, one. Okay. Okay. I almost rated it. We can gave it. Mm-hmm. I have not seen the movie, and I gave it a seven. I have seen this multiple times, and I gave it a 6.5. This is me, Kayleen, with a 5.5. Mm-hmm. Okay. I said at the beginning this sounded like a 10 out of 10 for me, um, and I really was eager to see it. I'm still going to watch it, because it sounds so visual, like, I need to see what they're talking about, Mm -hmm. but the themes and the ending really did not do it for me. I'm, like, pretty pissed about a lot of it, (laughs) especially just, like, I assumed there would be violence against women, but I also, like, more assumed that it would be them just clearly, like, it would be attempts, and they clearly would just, like, knock it out of the park Mm -hmm. and everything, and I'm thinking that's not the case, and thinking it sounds really rapey and really 
putting our heroine in this position of, no, she's happy because she gets to be free in her mind. I'm like, that sucks. <laughs> that sucks a lot. Um, like, good for Sweet Pea, I guess, but yeah. I just really wish they'd made it out together. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rocket's dead. Amber's dead. Mm-hmm. Blondie's dead. That sucks. And uh, it just also sounds like a really grim world that we're living in, where I'm picturing, like, life even outside of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the soundtrack sounds amazing. The costumes and production design, I feel like they're going to be really fun. So I did give it still a high rating. Mm-hmm. I was going to give it a 6.5, but I haven't seen it yet, so I was a little high and yeah. give, it, give it a nicer rating. But mm-hmm. um, Do you want to say anything else about it? No. So I gave it the lower rating out of the two of us who have seen it. Um, I gave it a 5.5. I, I, this movie is interesting because I've seen it more than once before we watched it. And I feel like I've had a different relationship with it every time, where I, I generally think about it and remember that I don't love it, but I still kind of get tricked into watching it again, and then I go, oh, <laughs> all right. Um, the, I think the downfall for me is what is one of Kimmy's favorite things about it, which is that I just don't really like the action sequences. For me, they go mm-hmm. on too long. And maybe it's a style thing. Maybe it's just not the kind of action that I'm into. Um, I think it's, like, that they look badass and that it's cool that it's the women kicking ass, but I'm not into the fact that um, physics aren't taken into account. Again, I know that's the, there's a reason, but I, I prefer a different style of action. And they just, if you're not into it, they take up a lot of the movie. So yeah. I, I wish that I had more time in the other worlds because I do really like the other layers a lot. And I, I just long for a little bit more exploration of those layers. Another thing, which is kind of a small thing, but I personally wish that we didn't see the lobotomy until the end. Like, I wish that we didn't even get the setup for it until the end. Oh. Because we already know that she's been through her whole journey, so I think as you're watching the film, at least for the first time, it's a little bit muddled. Because it doesn't really make sense that she would be having this entire fantasy world in one second before her lobotomy. Yeah. And in retrospect, that's not the case. It was her entire time in the mental institution. So I kind of wish it was like Inception where we go back and forth to all the layers. Because it could have been kind of fun to spend some more time seeing what was happening in that first layer. Mm -hmm. Also, this came out after Inception. That's a bit of a bummer. Ooh. (laughs) This came out a year after it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and then this I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want to sway your reaction, but I would like to talk about it. This is actually why I gave it a 5.5 and not a 5. Uh, Kimmy and I disagreed on this, which is alright. I think because she's used to the version that everybody has seen, so that makes sense. Mm -hmm. The last time I watched this movie was quite a while ago, but for some reason this is the one that sticks in my mind. I think my sister has this on DVD. And therefore, we watched whatever version she put on on the DVD, which must have been the director's cut. Mm, the because Snyder cut. The, yes, actually. <laughs> yes. We watched the Snyder cut. And in the Snyder cut, right after that giant man punches her, we are cut into the high rollers room with John Hamm. Because if, you'll, like, if you think about the movie, we really only see him twice. We see him once as the high roller, but nothing happens. And we see him once as the lobotomy guy. Mm-hmm. So in this cut scene, we see her in there with him, and he basically says, you know, which rightfully so, he feels gross doing this type of thing, like he wishes that he could just get a genuine connection one of these times, 
but he understands, and it's like, okay. yeah, all right. Okay. <laughs> um, and then there's this very strange thing where, of course, of course it's disgusting, of course it's creepy, but he kind of appeals to her, where he says, I'm not going to hurt you, I don't really want to force you to do anything you don't want to do, all I ask from you in this entire experience is that you give me at least one moment where you are happy and you're into it. Like, where you show me that you could love me, basically. Like, he's he's this horrible guy who I guess can't get a girl and wants this girl to make him feel like he's loved. And she seems like she's kind of getting into it. And she, like, unbuttons his shirt, but that's really all we see. And then it cuts to, like, that's when the lobotomy thing gets struck. So presumably when he says, why did she look at me like that? It's because she gave him that look that he was looking for in the fantasy world. Hmm. So I prefer that one just because I think it makes more sense than her getting punched and him saying, why'd she look at me like that? Because if he's the high roller and then oh. now he's the lobotomist, that just makes more sense to me. Yeah, that line makes sense. So I gave it a little bit of a higher rating, but... This was cut from the film because the MPAA said, that is too sexual. We want an R rating. And they said, we never see them have sex. All we see is her unbuttoning a shirt. And they say, well, then cut the scene down and we'll let you keep it. And Zack Snyder said when they cut the scene down, it straight up just looked like rape. And he's like, that's not what we're trying to do. So they cut the scene entirely. I give it a 6.5. And I've seen this movie like a lot of times, actually. And, and I was younger when I was watching it, and I wasn't as, like, versed in film as I am now. So, seeing it now, I, this was the first time watching it where I was like, that's not that good. But I, I really do like that it's, like, <laughs> all these things I'm going to say make me feel like I'm a bad feminist. But <laughs> I like that they're, like, scantily clad women kicking ass because mm. they're owning their sexuality and their power in it. And it's not... It's, like, for them, and, like, in this other world, it's, like, for the men, and that's, like, where they're trying to escape from. Mm -hmm. I think that's totally fine. I think the actors' performances are really good. It's not a super coherent movie, and I think that there's, like, Mm -hmm. way too much up to interpretation, and I I have a feeling Zack Snyder was like, this is what people are going to see, and they just did not, like, this is, like, a really poorly received movie, like, all over the planet. Yeah. I don't know why I continue to like it. I just really do. I like the soundtrack. I love Emily Browning so much. But I know that it's def- definitely not like a 10 out of 10 movie. And okay. there's a lot of things wrong with it. And thus my 6.5, I guess. And I think I, I didn't really say anything nice about it. But there are there are definitely good things. One of them being the production sign design is insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I really would have liked this in high school. For sure. Okay. I guess now it's time for watch list ads and recommendations. Wonderful. To close this week's episode. Okay. So, for me, Kayleen, I'm going to add Lady Macbeth to my watch list. Because I have heard about it from you for years, and I remember years after it came out, you told me that it is not Macbeth. It is something else. Oh, yeah. It has nothing to do with Macbeth. And I didn't realize that. And... Still, somehow, after that, I didn't think about it or look into it. And the other day, I watched a trailer, mm-hmm. and I found that very intriguing. So, I'm going to watch it sometime. I would love to watch it with you guys. Ooh. And then my recommendation for the week, I'm going to go with, it's kind of basic, but Inception. 
Oh, because it's a movie where they go levels deep and it's more coherent and I love that movie. Yeah. Adding to my watch list, many things. (laughs) (laughs) Two movie trailers that I just can't get enough of, like Keaton Common, is Black Widow and Woman in the Window. Ooh. Yes. Woman in the Window is Amy Adams' next project. It comes out in May. Black Widow comes out in May. May is going to be a time and a half for me. I'm really excited. (laughs) And then a TV show that's coming out in just a couple weeks on Netflix is Lock and Key, which is um, an amazing graphic novel series by Stephen King's son, Joe Hill. Oh, cool. And I cannot wait because, like, this time last year I got Umbrella Academy at the same time. Oh, that's so fun. And it's just nice to see these, like, beloved things that I used to read, like, being put on Netflix. That was very fun. As series. And so I'm really looking forward to that. I hope it's good. My recommendation for the week is Sweet Vicious. Mm. It's an MTV TV show that got canceled way before its time, but it's just two badass vagilantes. That's what they call themselves. Oh, really? <laughs> That's awesome. Who uh, avenge sexual assault on their college campus uh, by just like they're they're really good at That's fighting. Fun. They're hackers. They're so smart. It's so sad, and it's got a great great soundtrack like the i listen to that playlist constantly because it's amazing nice um and it's just badass feminist coolness yeah and watch the first two episodes if you're gonna watch it because the first episode is really cheesy and it was just a pilot and then you know it was like pick us up please and then they knew what they were doing by the second one and then from there on it's only 10 episodes of magic and i love it so much yeah is it only one season only one season and it got canceled Right when What's His Face got elected, <laughs> and right before the Me Too movement, and then so much could have happened with season two for this, and yeah. it would have been phenomenal. And I'm just so mad that it, they, that they let it go. Yeah. It was phenomenal. It was amazing. Everyone was down to keep it going. I didn't know it was that recent. It was 2016, yeah. Wow, I thought yeah. it was more like in the, the way that you talked about it. I thought it was like a more like, like a tree, high school thing, like no. a One Tree Hill era type. Nope, very, very recent, um, with a phenomenal cast of people. (sighs) It makes me sad. (laughs) Sad. Yeah. Okay, so for my watch list ad, I'm going to add Melancholia. Mm -hmm. Um, I have no idea what it's about. I can't believe that I've gone this long and not figured out what it's about. I mean, Kirsten, you watch it and you still don't know. Yeah, really? (laughs) That's exciting. I just, I saw, um... Kirsten Dunst in that Midnight Special movie, and I was like, you're really fucking good. You are great. You've been in the business for so long, you're still killing it. Yeah. And I know that this movie is all about her, and I would like to watch it. Cool. Um, My recommendation is Hustlers. Nice. Ooh, that's a good one. Women sticking it to men. It's just, like, so fun. It's such a fun Mm -hmm. movie. I've wanted to be friends with... Is her name Lily Reinert? Yeah. And Kiki Palmer so badly while watching that. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, like, yes to the other two as well, but, like, Kiki Palmer running in stilettos in a bikini was the funniest. <laughs> yeah. That was, like, the best moment of cinema in 2019. Did it make your childhood feel complete? Because I feel like it yeah. would. <laughs> it was amazing. I watched it with my sister, and that Britney Spears came on, and I was, like, dancing in the couch. I was like, yes! It's such a fun movie. It I is. would love to watch it. I haven't seen it yet, and that seems very Ocean's 8 vibe. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. in a way, yeah. 
Yeah. It's just like women hugging time and having a nice time. Giving each other wealthy gifts. Yeah. I would like to, this is on our Twitter, but it was too funny not to say, and if you guys haven't seen it, I'm going to read it to I you. I know it it's is. <laughs> There's this tweet from somebody whose Twitter handle is Philadelphia, just to give them credit. It says, not a single Oscar nomination for Britney Spears Toxic just because it, quote, isn't a film and, quote, came out in 2003. (laughs) Disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) So catch us next week when we're going to be doing a 2020 movie. First 2020 movie of 2020. Happy 2020, 2020. Woo! This movie's called Under 20 Water 20. Yeah. 20 Under Waters. 20 Waters Under 20. It's underwater. <laughs> Starring so, our fave, Kristen Stewart. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Underwater. Glub, 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 glub. That's the sound the aliens make. 